You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. Yeah. Guys, don't encourage me. Come on. Um, Okay, so this is week two of our series. It's called Enough. And last week we talked about how God looks within each and every one of you and gives you enough. He looks within you and gives you the exact gifts that you need for the situations that you are going to be in. So we know these things. What do we do now? What do you do once you find out and realize what God has given to you? How do you start living out your life using your gifts for the people that are around you? Well, before we get into that, let me introduce you to someone. This is my friend, Zach. Uh, Zach, yeah, one person is excited about that. (laughs) Cool. Um, Zach uh, has been put together in a very special and specific way by God with some very interesting skills, and he actually used those spiritual gifts to serve our country. You see, Zach started his career in the Marine Corps as a light-armored reconnaissance infantryman. Later, he would be moved into the Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team. He then spent on-the-job training with the EOD unit, which means he played with bombs on purpose. Uh, (laughs) Next, he became an infantry unit leader for an infantry platoon and an anti-armor team. He also has had specialized training as a marksmanship instructor and a martial arts instructor. And he's also a Hearst master, which means he is a master of jumping out of helicopters. Uh, and not only that, my favorite thing that he has that he's gone through is called, he's called a combat hunter, which means he's able to see people based off of their body language and how they're moving and what they're doing, be able to track them down, follow them, and then understand what kind of stuff that they're up to based off of, it. normally it's bad guys. Uh, these bad guys, what kind of stuff that they're up to just based off of all those things and where they are residing at. So he was able to do all these things over nine deployments in less than 15 years. So really, this is a long list and a lot of words to say that my dude Zach is legit. <laughs> like two syllables, not legit, like, but like legit, all right? So one day recently, uh, uh, so, like it, so what's cool about all that is that it was exactly a year ago that Zach realized that all these spiritual gifts that God had given him to be a successful Marine could be used here at the church. And so it was then that he volunteered to be a part of our safety team. And shortly after that, he started leading our safety team. And um, it's really cool to see how he's been just kind of growing and blossoming in that role. And and he fully understands and, and enjoys that he is in charge of the safety of every person here that comes through this church on a Sunday and on Wednesday nights uh, when we have all of our, our kids here, all of our students here. He's, he's the one that's in charge of all the safety. Uh, much like how we talked about David last week, Zach is the physical protector of our flock. And so there was one day recently where I was walking outside uh, uh, in this alley right in between us and the bar, and I heard uh, this man screaming and yelling and, and cursing and, and it was in between services, so I just kind of, I started moving quickly, and I turned the corner, and I saw it was one of our friends uh, that lives on the streets, that he was there, and he's yelling at the, and pointing at the church, and he's like, you guys call yourself a church, I'm never coming back here again, and then he's cursing and throwing his hands about and just, and just really just losing it right outside of our church, and it's in between services, so you guys know there's lots of people coming in and out and moving, whatever, so as I turn the corner, I see the guy, and, and I see him getting upset. My first thought is, where's Zach? 
uh, where's Zach, right? And so I, I kind of turn and look one way, and then I turn back, and Zach's like materialized in front of me, and he's talking with this man. And so the man is still upset. He's still waving his arms around. At this point now, he's not just pointing and yelling at the church and, and, and that, but now he's pointing and yelling at Zach. And I'm, I'm like, oh, dang, like, this is the wrong dude, man. Like, pick somebody else, you know? Um, and, and so he's yelling and just, and just letting Zach have it. And, and so Zach's maybe like, you know, five feet away from him. And I see Zach look at him and take like two steps in a very purposeful way toward the man. And in that moment, I go, oh man, today's the day that I see J Zach drop somebody at church. <laughs> like, I'm thinking like, what do I do next? How are we going to figure this out? You know, what kind of ambulance do I need to call? Like, what's going on? Um, so, so yeah. So what about you guys? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where your limits were pushed? Uh, was there a time that you were like walking through your house barefoot and you stepped on a Lego and like the next moment you still got to love your kid after that? <laughs> Last week, did you hear that God thinks that you are enough and you have been given a special set of skills and abilities and then you showed up to work on Monday and you had a boss let you know that you aren't enough? No. Yeah, it's not, it's not easy. So have you ever been asked to use some of your God-given gifts and talents for someone or a group of people that you didn't want to spend time around? So when we find ourselves in situations like this, how do we act? How do we use our gifts to help the people around us even when we don't want to? Well, luckily, the book of 1 Corinthians talks about this. But before we get into the, into the scripture, let me give you some of the context of what was happening around this book. So uh, there was a church that was planted in the city, uh, Roman city of Corinth after Jesus was raised up. Now, while it was going, the apostle Paul heard about how they had kind of gone off the rails and how they were acting. You see, there is division amongst the leaders, uh, worshiping of false idols, public drunkenness, uh, frivolous lawsuits were being uh, cast against each other is, and against the leaders. And, and not only that, uh, they were walking around with spiritual pride. So what they were doing is they were like, oh, well, I have this spiritual gift. And the other person would be like, well, I have this spiritual gift. And they, they would do this whole thing of they were trying to like one up one another based off of their spiritual gifts. None of these things they earned. It was just a God-given thing. But they were sitting there and they were trying to out-gift one another. And not only that, they were doing it to the people that were outside of their church. They were holding themselves as greater than the people that were trying to show up to church. And so Paul hears about this, writes this letter, and gracious, gracefully uh, sets them straight. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 here. There it says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge... And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So last week we learned about our gifts and how they've been given to us to serve the people that are around us. And again, if you're interested in learning more about these gifts, we've got growth track coming up April the 7th and the 13th. 2.30 in the cafe, uh, go sign up online, citychurchdowntown.com slash growth track. So we've got these gifts that are within us. So how do we start leveraging those? And really the way that we see it is that they're all powered by love. That all of these gifts can be amazing and awesome and everything, but if there's no love behind it, 
that says it right there. It's meaningless. It's worth nothing. So what happens with your gifts is that through your gifts, people can actually feel God loving them. They can feel that worth. They can feel that they are enough through how you can love on them with your gifts. And that's what our big idea is for today. So loving people through your gifts tells them they are enough. Loving people through your gifts tells them they are enough. Last week we said God loves you and you're enough. This week you're letting other people know that they are enough. So what does this look like? How do we use our gifts the ways that God has made us to be enough in a way of love. So for me, I could tell you all the different ways that I operate with love through my spiritual gifts, uh, um, but some of y'all might be like, yeah, it's really easy for you to talk about Humby. You're a pastor and you work at a church. Like that's part of your job description is to love people. Not for me, I work with a bunch of idiots that are the worst and I don't wanna spend any time with them and I don't wanna love on them at all. So how do I love these people in this situation that's way more challenging than working at a church? Well, first off, you guys don't know Robbie very well. I have to work with him all the time, so <laughs> that dude <laughs> pushes my patience. Uh, but I totally get that. Uh, that's why I enlisted the help of someone that I know has worked in really tough conditions, like having to deal with children on a regular basis. Uh, my wife, Lauren, has been working with SAISD for the last 14 years, and she started off as a teacher for 10 years. Seven of those uh, spent at Eastside Elementary Schools, and for the last four years, Lauren has been working at the district level as a math specialist. Essentially what she does is she helps teachers who are having trouble and are unsure with math uh, teach the curriculum in the best way possible. So when she rolls up into a school, Teachers aren't like super fired up to see her because she's coming in and, and helping them get better at their job. So sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect. Uh, but anyways, without further ado, let, let me introduce you to my wife, Lauren Cedavetta. Hey, how's it going? So I am a pastor's wife, right? Which is weird. I never knew I was going to be a pastor's wife. I didn't marry a pastor, I married this guy. <laughs> so if I'm ever not acting like a proper pastor's wife, that's my excuse. I didn't know it was gonna happen. So, but really when I meet people and I tell them that and I tell them what my husband does for a living, they just normally gasp and they're like, oh, do you feel judged all the time? And does everyone talk about you all the time? And I just want to thank you guys because I'm able to say, no, my church is super chill. Everyone's super loving and accepting. And so thank you guys for giving us grace and loving us um, as imperfect people. And a little more about me and my background. So growing up, I didn't grow up in a traditional Christian home. We kind of were told God exists and God is there. But we didn't grow up going to church. And, you know, I didn't hear any, you know, Sunday school messages, any Bible stories. Didn't know any songs on Caleb, like nothing. And so when I did meet God in high school, like I met him. Like I met 
Jesus and I experienced him. It wasn't something I read or something I heard, you know, in a service somewhere. Like I met him and he spoke to me through prayer and through his word and he was very real. And so with an encounter like that, like you can't help but want to know more about him and want to be like him and want to let others feel loved the way that he makes you feel loved. So from there on out, I felt just called to try to love people like he made me feel loved. And so that's what I've tried to do. And of course, the best way to do that is just spending time with him and learning about him and hanging out with him because you are who you hang out with, right? So there are times, of course, when it's not that easy. And if I'm ever trying to think of, like, am I showing love correctly in this situation? Like, is it coming out right? There's a place you can go where you can see exactly what God says love should look like. So we're going to look at those verses now. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So we've heard those verses lots and lots of times, right? They're like on coffee mugs, and we hear it at every wedding, and it can, you can almost just gloss over it and not paying attention to what it says. But the thing is, those verses weren't written for just marriage, and they weren't written just for weddings. Like, they're God telling us how we show love. And we're called to love all people at all times, including our coworkers. So think of some of the verses we just read, and how does that look in our, in our working situation? Does it look like that? And so, like Humby said, I have worked in some difficult settings with some difficult kids sometimes. I've had lots of crazy encounters in the last 14 years, but one I was thinking about when planning this talk was with one of my students who dealt with anger management issues. And so he was on his last strike before getting sent to alternative school, like that was his next step. And we had walked down to the cafeteria for lunch and another teacher that didn't know him had gotten after him and was scolding him. And so he got, of course, really mad and started that I could see his trigger signs, like his heavy breathing and his eyes and like I already knew what was gonna happen. One of his adversaries from another class walked by and kind of taunted him and went in the cafeteria. And so like I knew he was about to just run in the cafeteria and get in a fight and, you know, go to alternative school. So I was talking with him and I was like, hey, we're not going in there right now. Like this isn't happening. But of course he wanted to go. So I like put up my arm so he couldn't cross. And of course that made him angrier. And he like got me and shoved me to the ground and like went on on his way. So those are like the kind of things that would happen sometimes. And it wasn't because, you know, these were bad schools or bad kids, they're just some people who needed a little more love, like a little extra love. And I felt God calling me to do that. So even though that's definitely not a first reaction when someone pushes you or throws something at you or whatever, um, it's still what God calls us to do. And so as I've worked in education, I have felt called to give them love and to give them the best through my gifts. And so I always try to give them the best educational experiences. So we did hands-on activities in my classroom and read novels and went outside and drew and did art and sang songs and we made learning fun. 
I also made sure they had all the best resources and materials. So I had my Pinterest-worthy classroom decorated, super cute. Even if it was like a 90-year-old building, I had all the cutest decorations. I made sure all my kids had all the supplies they needed, spirals, folders, pencils, pens, whatever. Like they had it, were ready to go, no excuses. And I always made sure they had the best education. So that's something where, where it gets weird because a lot of times people are like, oh, pobrecito, this little disadvantaged kid. Like, it's okay if you can't do that. Like, it's okay. I know you have a hard life at home. But that is not loving them. And so I would push those kids so hard. We had some of the highest test scores in the district year after year because that's what they deserve, to be pushed and to get a good education. And so using my gifts to love the kids told them that they were enough, even when other parts of the city said that they were not enough. And now I'm in, like Humby said, an instructional leadership position. So part of what I do is try to encourage other teachers and leaders to provide those same experiences for kids. And through 14 years and trying every day through a lot of prayer and a lot of learning how to do this well, I've practiced you know, and failed time and time again, but um, I wanted to share with you guys some strategies on how you can try doing this at your job. And I'm a math specialist, so I'm very practical. So these are going to be very practical steps that you can take. And these are, they've worked, with, they've worked for me, and they're biblically based. So I didn't just make them up. They're coming straight from the scripture that we just read a second ago. And these strategies will work in whatever job you have, whether you are CEO at a company or uh, you have the hardest job in the world, which is like staying at home with kids, or you work in the restaurant industry, service industry, wherever it is. These can work wherever you are. So the first one is to give people a fresh start each day. Remember, love keeps no record of wrongs. So even when these kids would come in after whatever crazy thing they did the day before, and because, you know, they, you would think they would come in kind of big and bad and, you know, whatever about what they just did, they didn't come in like that. Like, they would come in scared and afraid to look me in the eye, afraid of how I was going to treat them. So I made sure every day to greet them with a hug and, hey, how's it going? You know, how's your morning been? And just let them know that I was glad they were there and with a hug. And it's the same thing with adults. Like, if you got into an argument the day before or a project didn't go well, like, it's weird the next day. So if you're able to greet them and say, hey, how are you, you know, just with that happy face, knowing that they're getting a fresh start and we're going to work together today, that, that means a lot. The next step that I have, oh, I forgot to say, that doesn't mean you can just let people walk all over you, right? So, like, you can't just... Oh, you know, let people treat me poorly all day, every day. Like, there's a way that you can still hold people accountable and still have difficult conversations while being loving and being kind and treating people with respect. So the next idea that we have is to keep away from gossip. Remember that love is kind. Um, it does not delight in evil. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects. So you all know that one person in the office that comes in and it's like, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? And so-and-so did this and this and this and this. And they can go on and on. And we just have to remember that we're not here to bring people down. Like, we're here to lift people up, no matter what the circumstances. So staying away from gossip is a really helpful thing. And you don't have to be weird about it. Like, you don't have to say, that is gossip. And that is something I do not do. Like, that's weird. 
So normally when it happens to me, if someone comes in kind of gossiping, I'm just like, oh, okay. And I just go back to whatever I was doing. And so soon they'll know that, you know, Lauren's not going to really engage in this. Like, it's not something I should even talk about because she's not going to participate. And it just kind of trickles everywhere. And people, other people might start doing that too. And it just lets people know that they can trust you, they can count on you, that you're reliable. And it starts um, building more of a team feeling with your team of workers. The next thing I have is to acknowledge and encourage others. So love is kind, it doesn't envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. This made me think about a time when our math department had this huge project going on with our director and the secretary, and the director was having her go in really early and stay really late, like every day for like two weeks straight. And I would walk in and I would just see her, just like the secretary, just look exhausted and tired and I knew she missed her family like I just knew it was not fun for her and so I just felt God calling me to tell to write her a letter or write her a note and tell her um, you know how I felt and so I wrote her this note just telling her hey thank you so much for the hard work that you're doing you know thank you for the time you're putting in thank you for this time away from your family just remember how happy the kids are going to be when they get these orders that you're placing right now of all these new materials like think of the smile on their faces and God sees the hard work you're putting into and he's proud of you also and I just like wrote her the note and left it on her desk and then of course later that day I saw her open it up and just start crying and just felt loved and felt like someone noticed or cared that she was putting in all these hours. And so that was another time when I used my gifts um, to love her and to let her know that she was enough. And then another, a weird thing here is I kind of struggle with pride sometimes. So sometimes it's been hard for me to tell someone else they're doing a good job. Because sometimes I feel like, well, if I tell you you're doing great at this, that means I'm not doing as great at that. And what I've learned over time is that we can both, we can both do a really good job, and we can both be awesome. Um, you know, God's given enough gifts to go around to everyone. So building each other up and encouraging others only makes everyone better and everyone happier. The last piece of advice I have for you is to not give up. So if you want to try some of these things and you're going to go to work tomorrow and try some of them out, you're probably going to mess up. Like, you're not going to be perfect. We can never be perfect. And the way you deal with that is to just not give up. So, you know, don't say, oh, I can't love people correctly. Like, when it happens, when you feel the words coming out of your mouth and you make a mistake, it's okay. Like, don't dwell on it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't feel bad. Don't think about it all night. That's not from God. That's not what he wants. You just kind of acknowledge it and say, dang it, like, let me try better next time. And you do try better next time. Try not to let it happen again. Give yourself a fresh start each day as well. So just don't give up when you're trying to love people at work. The cool thing is, is if you try some of these practices, these four things, that people will start to notice. And you're going to see, it's happened to me a bunch, and they'll just say stuff like, why are you so nice all the time? Like, why are you happy? Why do you do this? And that gives you a good opportunity to talk about, well, I just feel so loved. Like, God loves me, and I want you to know that you're loved too. And it just opens that window to talk a little bit about God. You guys join me in thanking her. So hopefully you guys will be able to, to get through the rest of the service now that the stage is approximately 86% less attractive. So uh, just bear with me. I know. I know. This is rough. There you go. <laughs> so let's get back to that story that I started with. Remember Zach, my dude that stands awkwardly? Um, 
So, so my dude, Zach, he's talking with our, our guy and he's screaming and just yelling and pointing at Zach and, and just getting more and more fired up and angry. And I see Zach start to take a couple steps toward him and kind of puts his arm out to engage this man physically. And like any good, uh, responsible person, I pulled my phone out. Uh, but as he went in there, I took a picture of it to show you what our trained Marine did. You see, Zach walked up to him, grabbed him, and he hugged him. And then he held on to him for a minute or two, and the whole time, Zach was just speaking gently and quietly, just right there uh, into his ear. You see, the reason that this man was so upset was because he walked into the cafe in between services to get some coffee and a pastry. No, no big deal, nothing wrong. But as he was standing there, one of our volunteers went and grabbed uh, the box of money where we have the donations and then took it and put it back behind the counter. Now, what the guy doesn't know is that that's when we do that. Like, that's when we go ahead and empty it out and put it away, and, and then we put a new fresh one out. But in that moment, this, this man, one of our friends that lives out on the street, he just felt embarrassed. He felt discriminated against. And really what happened was he, he felt angry. And so that's why he was out there that upset. And Zach was able to pull that out of him during those moments and that's what prompted him to go and give him a hug. So during that embrace, Zach let the man know that he isn't looked at as less than. He let the man know that sometimes people suck. That's a direct quote from Zach. It's not, not my word, which is pretty tame for a Marine. Um, either way, he wanted this man to know that God loves him. Then Zach prayed with him and let him know that he is always welcomed at our church and that we would never turn him away just for who he is. And shortly after that, the guy was calm and walked away. He knew that day that he was loved by God because of the way Zach used his gifts in love. Remember, loving people through your gifts tells them that they are enough. That's a big idea. Loving people through your gifts tells them they are enough. Even for a big, highly trained and decorated Marine, you can still love people while using your gifts. And here's the reason why Zach loves people and the reason why Lauren has explained why she loves people. We see that in 1 John. There it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. We love each other because he loved us first. That's how God loved us, through the sacrifice of his son. Jesus was perfect. He walked the earth without any faults, without any sin. 
And then Jesus laid his life down as the one that would take on every single wrong thing we'd ever done, every single sin we'd committed, every single like, bad thought we even had. Jesus took on all of that for us. Think about the amount of love and caring that went into Jesus' decision to go ahead and do just that. And it's through believing that Jesus died on the cross for our sins that we are seen as righteous in God's eyes. When he looks at us, he no longer sees the terrible things we've done. He no longer sees the wrong decisions we've made. All he sees is the sacrifice of his wonderful son that's standing in between us and him. So it's also through these beliefs that our spiritual gifts, what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, they are powered through this belief. They are powered through this love that Jesus had for us, and it overflows from him into us and out to the people that are around us. Now, for some of us, we haven't yet believed or even talked to God about this belief, that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for, this, for our sins. So if you want to, what I want to do right now is give you guys an opportunity to do just that if you haven't done that before. So let's go ahead and all bow our heads right now. Because when you're here at City Church downtown, you have a tribe of people around you to pray with. So if you want Jesus in your life, I want you to pray something like this with me. Jesus, I don't know that much about you, but I want to. I want you to enter my life. I want you to show me your amazing love. I'm ready for you to tell me that I am enough. So right here, right now, I'm saying, I believe you died for me. I believe you sacrificed for me. I know I've made wrong decisions and hurt other people and that I've hurt myself in the past. And I'm sorry for that. But I believe you were sent into this world to save me. And from here on out, I wanna follow you the best way I know how. Now, with our heads still bowed, for everyone here, if you wanna love people with your gifts better, I want you to pray something like this with me. God, thank you for letting me know that I'm enough. Thank you for providing me with the exact right gifts in my life. Please remind me how much you love me. Please show me how I can use the gifts that you gave me to let others know that they are enough. Give me a new heart, Lord. Remove the stubborn and thorny heart that's in me right now and give me yours, the one that is overflowing with love. Thank you for everything that you have done for me. I love you. And we pray all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.